I don't know about you guys, but I really love doing this. I really love combining the two churches and, and worshiping together. How many of you are just enjoying that we get to do this together? Isn't this awesome? Isn't this awesome? I'm just so appreciative of New Hope and the leadership of Pastor Zach and Carrie and I'm just trying to find a nice shaded position here. Why don't you grab your Bibles? Hi, Johanna. How are you? I know. I see you got some flags. Awesome. Amen. A couple of things I want to just uh, say this morning as we move in. Uh, there's Dad collecting Johanna. Amen. Just giving everybody an opportunity to settle in and children's ministry getting settled in over there. Find your way over to Matthew's Gospel, if you would. We're just going to be there just for a moment. I'm going to set up this morning's message. I want to, we've been in a series, for those of you who are um, from New Hope, we've been in a series since the pandemic kind of hit us, entitled Pressing Through the Unexpected. And many of us through this season, I'm sure all of us through this season, have had to deal with unexpected things. And the book of James is an incredible book when it comes to addressing how you respond to the unexpected. He talks about how you respond to trials and how you go through difficulties and how you overcome temptation and, and so many, so many good things. This morning we're going to talk about dealing with wisdom. And how we apply wisdom, when James talks about wisdom, he's talking about an applied wisdom, not just a knowledge that, uh, you know, you're full of stuff in your head, but actually a wisdom that you apply. And Jesus said something very, very similar in Matthew's Gospel, the seventh chapter. As he had finished preaching what we call the Sermon on the Mount, he had had a big outdoor meeting. I don't know, probably bigger than this, I think. And they were on a hillside. It was probably just as warm. And Jesus had taught the, uh, what some call the Magna Carta of the kingdom of God. And he had talked about the difference between how you respond when things happen with a worldly spirit as opposed to a kingdom spirit. And there's so many, so many good principles throughout that whole sermon that Jesus did on a hillside. But as, according to Matthew, as he's concluding his thoughts about that, it's found in Matthew chapter 7. He talks about these two platforms on which you can build your life. And he says there will be some people who build their houses or their lives on these sayings or on the Word of God. We could say it that way. They will actually take what I'm saying and apply it to their lives in such a way that when storms hit them, when the unexpected comes their way, instead of them being overcome and toppled or destroyed by the storm that comes their way, they will remain standing in the midst of the difficulty. He says it this way, therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man or a prudent, sensible, a person who uses practical wisdom, a man who has built his house on the rock so that when the storm comes, the rains descend, the floods come, the winds blow, and beat upon that house or beat upon that life, it will not fall for it was founded on the rock. And of course, the rock is the revelation of who Jesus is. 
And both of us, Zion Fellowship and New Hope Fellowship, we both agree. We said it last week, give me Jesus. The foundation of any person's life, if it is going to be able to navigate the unexpected, the platform of your life must be founded in Jesus and Jesus alone. It can't be founded on other sources of wisdom. It's just Jesus. And Jesus is making this very, very clear. He says, if you will take what I say, if you will understand what I'm teaching in this moment of time and actually apply that wisdom to your life, when the storm hits your life, and everybody say, storms come. Come on, look at your neighbor and just say, storms come. Unexpected moments come. Just, I mean, this is proof of it. This, the, the last eight, nine, ten weeks of our lives, we've, we've gone through a storm, and it's not over yet. And I think if you read your Bible clearly, you'll see that as we move towards the end of the age, more storms are coming. And so the question becomes, what are you building your life upon? Are you building your life upon your own wisdom, or are you taking the, uh, the wisdom of the kingdom of God, the wisdom of Jesus, and applying it to your life in everyday situations? Because if you don't, Jesus says there are some who will hear the sayings of mine. Now, th now think about this. He's, he's literally saying there are people who have sat through this sermon. There are people who have sat through this moment and heard me teach about the kingdom of God. And this is what they're going to do. They're going to ignore what I've said. They're going to forget what I've said. And here's the challenge that I say to us here this morning on these grounds. You and I can come to church. We can live in church. We can be at church seven days a week if we want. But if we don't take the word of God, if we don't take what Jesus has to say concerning the kingdom and how it works, if we don't apply it to our lives, if we don't take that wisdom and use it for his glory and for his honor, We'll be like this one. It says he doesn't do them. And Jesus says, I will liken that person to a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And when the storm came, when the rains descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house, it fell down and great was its fall. So this morning as we turn now to the book of James, James is going to say something's very similar. He's going to say there are two kinds of wisdoms in, wisdom in the world. There's the wisdom that is earthly and sensual, and he goes even further. He says demonic. And then there's the, the wisdom that comes from above, the, the wisdom of heaven, the wisdom of the kingdom. And what James is going to do for us this morning, and I'll be quick because I know it's hot and many of you are wilting, but he's going to describe the differences between the wisdom of this earth and the wisdom of the kingdom of God. So if you'll turn to James chapter 3, find verse 13, that's where we'll start. And let me ask you this question. Who's the wisest person that you know or who, who you've ever known? Many of us want to say Jesus, but I'm talking about people that you've met. Wise people. People who used wisdom and applied it to their lives. Why? Why? What was it about them that, that caused you to stop for a moment here today and say, well, that, that person, that individual was, was a wise person? See, what James is going to do in the text that we're looking at today is he's going to say something along these lines. And these are my words, not his, but he's going to say something like this. He's going to say, wisdom 
that is from heaven has a way of revealing itself, has a way of showing itself. Has, it's something about not only the action of the individual, but the character of the individual. And I just want to say to us here today simply this. There is a smart way to live, and there is a foolish way to live. And my challenge to you is which way are you living today? Are you living as a wise individual, taking the word of God, taking the wisdom of heaven, and applying it to your life and let it become manifest in your character? Or are you like the foolish man who hears the word of God and says, oh, that's a good idea, or that's a nice thought, but they never apply it to their lives. Jesus said, if that's the type of person you are, then when the storm comes, you're not going to have anything to fall back on. You're going to have no platform, no foundation to hold you steady, and the storm will rock your life and you will fall and great will be your fall. James says there's a smart way to live and then there's a foolish way to live. Which way are you living today? The Bible has a great amount to say about wisdom when you get right into it and you begin to study it whether you're in Proverbs or anywhere in Scripture. There's so much to say about wisdom, true wisdom, not the wisdom of this world, but the wisdom of heaven, the, the wisdom of the kingdom. It says things like this, that a wise person recognizes his or her own limitations, and they, they don't boast about themselves. What you're going to see is James says the wisdom of this earth, the person is always boasting about themselves. They're always try, trying to make themselves larger than they are. But the Bible says the wisdom of heaven, that person who knows and applies that wisdom to their life, understands their limitations, understands their shortcomings. They're not overcome by that, but they understand it. And so the wise person doesn't boast about themselves. They boast about Jesus. They boast about the one who makes them great. They don't talk about their own greatness. The wise person knows that life is kind of momentary, even though it's eternal. And so this life that we have in this moment of time, these years that we get to spend on the earth, I know that there's an eternal perspective, but I'm saying I'm 65 years old. Come on. I should have got some honks there. I'm a good-looking 65-year-old. Come on. I'll give you a chance to affirm me right now. Come on. Quit boasting in yourself. But the <laughs> thank you, Anissa. Thank you. Thank you. Keep me humble. Keep me humble. But we understand how life works. A wise person does. And so the Bible says that kind of a person lives their life in the fear of the Lord. Listen to it. It says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. I love the story in 1 Kings chapter 3 where, where Solomon is standing before God and, and God says to him, hey, hey, you can have anything on the planet. What do you want? I love Solomon's response. He says, I need wisdom. I need an understanding heart. That's how the New King James translates it, an understanding heart. And do you know why he wanted an understanding heart? Do you know why he asked God for wisdom? Read the text. He says, because when it comes to judging people, I want to do it correctly. And when it comes to discerning between good and evil, I want to be able to discern correctly. 
So how are you this morning? What is it that you're chasing after in this life? Are you going after the things that this world offers? Or are you going after what the kingdom of God offers? And what God is offering is an opportunity for you to be wise. It's an opportunity for you to grow in wisdom. In John chapter 3, verse 13, look at this verse. It says, who, in, who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. Let that sink in for a moment. I'm going to read it in the King James for some of you who are purists, okay? This is how it says it in the King James. Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him shew, not show, but shew, S-H-E-W. I love the King James. Let him shew out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. We're hearing in the day in which we're living the necessity and the importance of having good, constructive conversations about the issues that are happening in our nation today. How many of you are hearing that over and over? Have a conversation. Have a good conversation. Well, here's what I want to submit to you this morning. What would happen if the body of Christ applied herself to wisdom and got involved in the conversation at a national level? What would happen if those of us on this ground today made a determination that we were going to receive from God the wisdom of heaven and get involved in conversations? I want to tell you this is an interesting situation that happened to me. Uh, we're looking as a church for ways to get more involved in our community. And so I was down at town hall and they trying to pull some permits to do certain things and I found myself in the town manager's office. And uh, I was just trying to pull a, a, a permit for what is called the commons there down in downtown. And I was thinking, well, what we want to do is we want to we take what we're doing here, worship, prayer, intercession, and move it to the center of town. That was my intention. How many of you would join us if we did that? Okay. So, so I'm there, and that's all I'm there for. I'm just looking for a permit. I'm like, who do I talk to? How do I get a permit? And so the town manager comes in, introduces himself to me, and uh, he says, well, this is what you need to do, and he tells me everything I, I need to do, and, and he looks at me, and he goes, um, so who are you anyway? And I said, well, I, you know, like I told your receptionist, I said, I'm, my name's Chris Wood, and I pastor Zion Fellowship just up the road, and, and uh, we'd like to have a prayer, worship kind of meeting in the center of town. How's that sound to you? He goes, sounds good to me. Great. He says, he sa and then he goes, can you come into my office? And I'm like, okay, now he's going to tell me all of my limitations and what I can and can't do. And he moves me, and he says, have a seat. So now I feel like I'm in the principal's office. And I said, yes, sir. I'm thinking, I haven't done anything wrong yet. All I've asked for is a permit. And he takes his computer screen and he turns it. And on his computer screen, he had just finished reading something from the governor of this state 
that was saying that every municipality that has a police force in it needs to begin to develop a task force to begin to address the issues of the day that is being faced all throughout the land. And so it involves the police and it involves different leaders. And he goes, and it says here that I have to find a clergy guy. And, and I looked at him, I looked at him and I said, I don't know if I qualify. And he said, what do you mean? I said, I don't see myself as a clergy guy. He goes, well, you know what I mean. I, I need one of you pastors. And, and he said to me, he said, would you be willing, and this really struck my heart, he said, would you be willing to be part of the conversation about what we can do in our city to make our city better? Now, and, and I said, sure, I'll be willing to do that. And then he, then he looks at me and he says, you must have been sent by God. I thought I was going for a permit. Here's, here's my point in giving you this illustration. Every one of you here today who is a born-again, spirit-filled believer has the wisdom of the kingdom of God resident within your life. And what Jesus would say to you and what James would say to us is this. It's time you start applying that wisdom. Get involved in constructive conversations that will bring on the earth today a manifestation of the kingdom of God, the glory of God, in the face of Jesus Christ. Wow, really? That's all I get? Honk, honk. But when we talk about a wise man, when James is talking about a wise man, I, I looked at this word. Why would he use this particular phrase? And this particular phrase comes from the root word that we often use in intercession where we talk about a watchman. How many have ever used that, you know, watchman on the wall, watchman on top? What, what, what is unique about a watchman besides what they do? The person who is a watchman, according to, you know, you read scripture, why was that, what was it about that person that caused a king to trust to put them on the wall so that if they saw something coming, they knew that that individual was a person who could be trusted so that when they opened their mouth or they sounded the alarm, what would happen was there would be such integrity in what they did that a whole city would respond to them. That's what a watchman did. And so what James is using, he's drawing from that idea, and he's saying, so the wise man, the watchman, it refers to one who regulates his life in view of the will of God and the kingdom of God. He says the wise man is one who has understanding, but let that person, let that person demonstrate who they are and what they're about through wisdom that is shown in meekness and through their conduct. Are you tracking with me this morning? I think there's an opportunity for us to press through the unexpected and find ourselves in conversations with individuals or with groups, or even within the context of a city, that we would use the wisdom of God to speak into 
the situation of our day. But here's, here's what we need to be careful of. You've heard the phrase, we are to be in the world but not of it. Okay, that's what James is going to talk about. He's going to talk about living in the world but not being of the world. So what does, he, what does that mean when you hear that phrase? The, the idea is that, that you can't avoid or evade the fact that we live physically in this world. There have probably been moments when you've turned on the radio over the last number of months and wished that you could just check out. I don't want to do this. I don't want to be involved in these conversations. These are hard conversations to have. But here, I want to see that, I want you to see that James is saying it's, it's just for this moment that you were created. It's just for this moment that, I've, that God has brought you on the face of the earth so that you can speak into the midst of the chaos. Because what you're going to discover when you study what James has to say about wisdom is he says, when the wisdom of this world is applied to any situation, what you begin to discover within that situation is that there are earthly, natural, demonic ideas that are sowed into that situation, and the fruit of what comes out of it is disorder and every vile thing. And I'm just saying, wouldn't it be interesting that the church begins to rise up and instead of bunker, hunkering down and, and trying to avoid what's going on, what if we became part of the solution? See, you can be in the world, but not of it. You, you can conduct yourself in such a way in regards to the laws of God that you don't have to violate the laws of the land. I think I want to say it the other way around. I think you have to conduct yourself within the confines of the laws of the, the land, but you should never violate the laws of God. That sounded better. And you can enjoy the culture. You can enjoy being on the earth. But listen, we need to take the grace and the power of God that is available to us and use it to advance the kingdom of God on the earth today. Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Somebody put their hand on their heads and say, Just renew my mind, God. See, when we say we're in the world but not of it, what we're saying is I, I, I am not going to draw my energy or live in the energy of this world. I'm not going to derive my motivation from the spirit of this world. I'm not going to, to identify with it in such a way that its power drives me and, and sustains me instead, according to Jesus and according to James, that we derive our power, our energy, our motivation, our values from the kingdom of God as revealed in Jesus Christ. Amen? So let's be part of this world, but not of it. Let's not let it have a hold on us. Come on, look at your neighbor right now and say, don't let it hold you. Come on, say it gently to him. Don't let the world hold you. Don't let it put its claim upon you. It doesn't own you. You've been bought with the blood of Jesus Christ. Don't let it dictate to you. Don't let it govern your decisions. Let the kingdom of God govern your decisions. Come on, let's read on. Verse 4, but if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, 
Do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, and demonic. There it is. For where envy and self-seeking exists, confusion or disorder, and every evil thing, they are there. But here's what we're after. But there is a wisdom that is from above. It's pure. It's peaceable. It's gentle. It's willing to yield. It's full of mercy, good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. That's what we're after. That's what we're going for. That's what James is after. See, the world insists, this is worldly wisdom, that God doesn't exist. Or if he does, he exists for me. But you see, the Christian believes that God exists, and the God of the Bible is someone who is extremely relevant to our lives. Apart from him, there's very little that we can do. I think Jesus says there's nothing we can do. See, the world insists that the, this that we're seeing all around us, it just, all of a sudden, there was this big bang, and here it was. But see, here's what the believer, that's worldly wisdom. But godly wisdom says, no, there was a God who existed before time, and when he spoke, everything that we see came into existence. See, the world insists that there's nothing that, that governs the course or direction of human affairs outside the will and actions of human beings. But the believer believes that God governs everything in human affairs, including the will and the actions of humans. He's over it all. See, the world insists that history's going nowhere, that one day it's all simply going to come to an end. Everything will simply cease to be and nothing will remain. But the Christian insists that history is providentially under the direction of a loving and all-wise God who will bring everything to its proper consummation in such a way that Jesus Christ will be seen, honored, glorified as Lord of all. See, the world insists that good and evil or whatever you want to make it or whatever circumstances require them to be or that they are whatever makes that person the most happiness, happiest. But the Christian insists that good and evil are determined by such, by God. And what God says is good, and what God says is evil is evil, and what God says is good is good. And he will always be the deciding factor. You see, I'm trying to contrast for you the difference between worldly wisdom and godly wisdom. See, in the world, the wisdom is your physical appearance is what it's all about. That's your supreme value. But in the kingdom of God, the greater value is the inner beauty of the human heart. It doesn't get all hung up about size, shape, weight, color. Kingdom of God doesn't get hung up on that stuff because it's what's inside that counts. The world pursues wealth as an end to itself. It motto, its motto is simply this, whoever dies with the most toys wins. But the Christian pursues the glory of God as an end of himself. 
For the believer, the motto is, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. So here's what I have to say to us this morning. The world and the church tell two entirely different and ultimately contrary stories about the nature of reality. And so when James is talking about wisdom and when, when Jesus is talking about wisdom, they're talking about what is your present reality? What is the meaning of your life? What's the truth that you live your life by? What's the goodness that you give yourself to? What is your ultimate destiny? Where are you going? Because once you get this settled, once you understand what all of this means, this is what you'll begin to see. That the kingdom of God and the kingdom of this world were not meant to coincide, but they were meant to intersect. And the kingdom of this world is meant to be subjected to the kingdom of God. And so as believers, we have a responsibility. Right now, we have a responsibility. Because you see, if you give yourself to the wisdom of this world, this is how you'll live your life. You'll be angry at those who have something that you don't have and you wish you did. You'll think it's your right to be jealous and envious of them. And so you'll make it your ambition to lay hold of everything your heart desires and then boast about it once it's yours. And if you have to disrupt your circumstances and the people who stand in your way to get what you're after, you will. Because that's what worldly wisdom does. But the wisdom that's from above, James says, is so different than that. You see, the chaos that we're seeing on our streets, the things that we're seeing said and done, much of it is being applied as the wisdom of this world. And I'm just saying, what would happen if we, the church, rose up and say, no, there's a better way. There's a kingdom way to do this. See, it's up to us to speak for justice. This is not an opportunity for the church to abdicate her role on the earth today. We can be in it, but not of it. And we can apply the wisdom of the kingdom of God to some of these very complicated situations that are facing our land. Because you see, for the Christian, when you pursue the wisdom of heaven and you embrace it, this is the kind of person you'll be. You'll be a person of good works. You'll be pleasing and attractive to others. Spiritual wisdom is always characterized by humility, not arrogance or loud boasting. If you possess genuine, heaven-sent wisdom, you will love purity and peace, and you will display gentleness in your relationships with others. You won't be arrogant or prideful, but instead will happily listen to what others have to say. Mercy and peace and righteousness will be the hallmark of your life. Come on, it's time to have a conversation. Turn to somebody and say, what are you talking about? I'm almost done. I know it's warm. Hang in there. Thank you for the clouds, Jesus. This word that James uses... 
when he talks about good conduct in verse 13, when he talks about wisdom and he says it will be put on display by your good conduct, this is an, an interesting word and it's really the thought I want to leave you with, okay? So my, if I'm applying wisdom, godly wisdom to my life, if I'm really using the wisdom of heaven in my daily interactions, not only with my family, but my friends and in my community, he says it will be put on display by your conduct, your, your good conduct. And this word that is used, that's translated as good, it has to do with behavior, but it has to do with behavior. Now, this is interesting. It's the word kalos in the Greek. And what it means is it's behavior that is attractive. It's behavior that is morally appealing. It's behavior that to the person who's watching it, it's beautiful. So when we begin to apply godly wisdom in our relationships and in our situations, what this word is suggesting is that what we do is attractively good. And it's good that inspires others to embrace what is lovely. Are you, are you tracking with me? So if you're in a conversation with someone and you're bringing forth the wisdom of the kingdom of God, instead of getting in some kind of an argument with them and trying to win the debate and, and trying to overwhelm them with your knowledge on a situation, it says, no, if, if in the meekness of humility you not only listen well, but when you have an opportunity to speak or conduct yourself, you do it in such a way that the person that you're interacting with sees the beauty of heavenly wisdom manifesting in your life. And it's attractive to them. You're drawn to it. You're, you're allured by it is the idea. So a truly wise person is the sort who recognizes that arrogance and jealousy and selfish ambition ultimately accomplish nothing of eternal value. Let's be people who are applying the wisdom that is from above. Amen? Embrace God's purpose for this world. Because when you do, it says your life will be characterized by now. Now listen to what he says. He says purity, moral blamelessness. You'll be peaceable. You'll be a person filled with the wisdom of God. And, and it's not that you avoid conflict, but when you enter into conflict, you just enter into conflict differently than earthly people do. It's a beautiful picture that James is painting here. He's appealing to us to turn our energy towards unity and reconciliation rather than division and alienation. I'm, I'm convinced that if the church will rise up in this hour, we can see our cities, we can see our towns, we can see our nation turn back to God in a meaningful, powerful way. Because there's going to be a people who are gentle. There's going to be a people who are open to reason. There's going to be a people who are willing to sit down and talk and, and love to hear the other person's point of view before they offer theirs. They're willing to look at different ways that, 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 that people are, are, are suggesting, and, and yet they have the wisdom not to be misled or misinformed. They're open to reason. That's what James says. They're full of mercy. They've got good fruits. They're impartial. And I love this, this one. They're sincere. How many of you love a sincere person? A, a sincere person. 
How many of you can tell a sincere person when you meet them? Is anybody going to talk to me, or are you all just melting here? How many of you know a sincere person when you meet them? It's like you just go away from that encounter, and you go, that person is real. They're sincere. That's James' point. He says when, when godly wisdom is really the byproduct of your inner life, that's who you are. You're drawing from it. You're learning from it. You're applying it to your life on a regular basis. Then when people meet you, they automatically see your sincerity. And they're impartial. Listen, listen. It's a day to be impartial, amen? It's not about people's skin color. It's not about the size of one's home. It's not about the investments of your portfolio, the quality of your clothing. James hits this over and over and over again with these believers. He says, you must be impartial. You can't be governed by your prejudices. You can't be governed by, by what, what you think ought to. You've got to be governed by the kingdom of God. So I began, and I'm wrapping up now. I began by asking you, who's the wisest person you've ever met? If you know somebody who has spoken into your life, they've been wise, they've given you good counsel, they've walked with you, they've shown you the way to conduct yourself in this life. Listen, what a great opportunity it is today to consider, how can I honor that person? How can I reach out to them and, and, and tell them, thank you for the wisdom that you've used in my life. If that person's still living, I would encourage you to do it today. Tell them that you're grateful for the impartation that they've brought into your life. If that person has gone on to be with the Lord, find a way to commemorate their life by being the kind of person that passes on godly wisdom to others. So wherever Andrew is, and I see you, Andrew, Come on up and grab your guitar, bro. Can I ask you just to put your Bibles away just for a minute? And we're just going to wrap up this morning. And ask you to stand to your feet if you can. Well, I'm in your space, aren't I? Okay. Just give an opportunity for the, the team to get up here as well. Here's, here's what I want to just say as I close. What is the basis for godly wisdom, or as James puts it, for the basis for wisdom that is from above? The basis for the wisdom that I'm talking about is rooted in a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. You must be born again, is what Jesus said. If you want to enter in and see the kingdom of God, you must be born again. So if you're not born again, if you're here today or if you're listening on the, the live stream and you're not born again, everything that I've just said makes absolutely no sense to you whatsoever because you're saying, oh, no, 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 no. I can use wisdom in another way. But I want to say to you that are here today, if you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you must and you need to do that today. Listen to me. This is not a day to play church. 
This is not a day to check off the list and say, I did church today, and I think I'm good enough. No, no, no. God wants your heart. And the only way that you can get right with God is by getting right with his son. Because he did everything for you. He died for your sin. But he didn't stay dead, did he? He rose on the third day. He ascended to the right hand of the Father. He sits enthroned in heaven today as the King of glory. If you've never asked Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior today, I want to encourage you to do that today because then that becomes your foundation. That's the wisest thing that anybody in this place can do today. That's the wisest thing you could do if you're watching the live stream. Because now you have a foundation upon which to build. So if you've never asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, and today you're saying, okay, I've got to set some things right. My foundation has been faulty. It's been cracked. I've been using worldly wisdom to try to, to navigate life, and I need to get things settled once and for all. I want you just to wave to me wherever you are. Come on. Just wave at me if you just need Jesus to be the center of everything in your life. You're just asking him to come and be the Lord of your life. If, if you're watching on live stream, you can get in touch with us at Zion Fellowship or those at New Hope, Pastor Zach and Carrie, and you can just let them know. You know, on Sunday when I was watching that live stream, I gave my heart to Jesus. Now what do I do? And either we here at Zion or they at New Hope, they'll direct you, they'll guide you, they'll lead you into all of that. The second thing I want to say is this, that if you are a Christian, and you say, I'm a believer, but you're approaching life and you've realized that the wisdom that you've been utilizing is not the wisdom that is from above. You find yourself often argumentative envious of others, jealous of what they have and you don't have. And you find that a lot of times instead of sowing peace and righteousness into a situation, you get involved and there's disorder and there's, there's problems all the time and you realize, why is this happening to me? I thought I was a good person. You're just using the wrong wisdom. But if you're a believer, all you need to do is recognize it and repent and ask God, for his forgiveness, Father, I've been using the wrong wisdom. I've been trying to figure this out myself instead of receiving the wisdom that's from above. So if that's you today, I just would encourage you, just repent and just say, Father, I see it now. I see it. I understand what I've been doing. Father, forgive me. And, and like Pastor Zach said at the very beginning, the minute you turn, the minute you, you come to your senses like the prodigal son, the Father's waiting to receive you. then lastly, if you desire an increase when it comes to having an understanding heart in your life that will be attractive to others, draw others in, create conversations that are redemptive and holy and majestic, if that's you today, just kind of wave at me and say, boy, I want an increase. I want the wisdom of God in my life. I, I want the wisdom that is from above. I want to I see the opportunities that God is giving me to speak into. I want to, how many of you want to just say, God, begin to open up redemptive conversations for me today. I've, listen, it, this is not a day for the church to be shrink, shrinking back. It's a day for the church to be rising up and introducing people to Jesus and 
talking about the kingdom of God and the wisdom of God and how the kingdom works. Amen? Look around for a minute. Just think if everybody here today got involved in a meaningful conversation that was applying the wisdom of God into a situation, whether it be in a business situation, whether it be in a home situation, whether it be in a community situation, what might begin to change in the land that we're a part of? Are you with me? Are you tracking with me? So where do you find yourself this morning? Come on, let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come before you, and we are humbled to be called your servants. Lord, I'm asking for us today in this place to come and move upon our hearts. Lord, for those who have never asked you to be the Savior of their lives, I'm asking in the name of Jesus for you to open their hearts to the reality of your love. Lord, reveal yourself to them today, whether it's here in this parking lot or whether it's on the live stream. Reveal yourself. Jesus, I'm praying for any of us here who have come to realize either while I was speaking or in the last few days that the wisdom that we've been using is not the wisdom that is from above, but it's the earthly wisdom. We've been trying to figure it out ourselves and trying to do things in our own strength. We yield to you today, and, and we repent of those things that we've said or done that have brought about jealous and envious responses. And Lord, for all of us, we pray for an increase. Pastor Zach, why don't you come if you've got anything you want to pray? We're praying for an increase. We want understanding hearts. We want hearts that are like Solomon, that when it comes to judging a situation, we don't judge it simply with what we see with our eyes, but we judge it from an understanding heart, a heart that's filled with the wisdom of God. We want to be a people who are able and willing to discern between good and evil, especially in the day in which we live. So, Father, we ask for you to come and bring increase in our lives. In Jesus' name, Pastor Zach. Father, we just, uh, we agree with this message. One of the things that Chris shared was about us being a part of the conversation, a part of the solution. And I just keep thinking about how Micah 6.8 doesn't say talk about justice, but do justice. And when that means we've got to actually get out there and have these conversations and not just talk about it here at church. So I just want to pray as we're talking about wisdom, talking about moving with revelation, that God would give us divine plans, that God would give us divine strategies, uh, moments to reach into our communities, to reach into our families. And so we just hold out your hands and just say, Father, we receive your wisdom right now. Father, I pray even right now, God, would you put uh, that family member or that part of our community or that part of our workplace, Father, on our hearts. That, and give us wisdom, Father, to be your hands and feet. Give us wisdom, God, to step out and be a part of that conversation, Father. Give us wisdom, God, to step in, God, and, and, uh, and see your kingdom come. Father, we say, let your kingdom come. And I pray, Father, that we would be your hands and feet to build the kingdom of God on this earth. We're here, Father, for a divine takeover. We're here, God, for an insurrection. Our job is to take over this planet for the return of the king. And Father, I pray that we would rise up and be a bold church with wisdom, God, to take over our region and see your kingdom established. 
Father, I pray that your kingdom would be established in our homes, that your kingdom would be established in our workplaces, in our city, God, in our recreation places. God, I pray that the kingdom of God would come and be established, that the name of Jesus would be high and exalted over this region. Father, I pray, God, that you would give us wisdom to go to work. Father, give us wisdom not to have opinions on Facebook. Give us wisdom, God, not to have opinions with our friends and talk about all the things the church should be doing. And when we talk about it, we always talk about what the pastor should be doing. Father, I pray that we would have conversations about what we should be doing. I pray, God, that we would move, that we would be a people of action. Father, I pray, give us wisdom to be a people of action. Give us wisdom, God, to not be uh, live in sentiment, to, to walk in reality. Help us, Jesus. We love you, Father.